Hello, and thank you for joining us as we continue our journey exploring the power of prayer based on my book, Praying with Passion, Grounded in Obedience. The book can be found through my website, prayingwithpassion.com. Be sure to follow me on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so you won't miss any of the future podcasts. Today, we're talking about dealing with adversity. I know we've all had our share of adversity in life, but I don't know what your particular adversity has been or will be. So in this study, when I say the word adversity, just plug in your particular issue into the mix and you'll know what we're talking about. Little story here, when I was 12 years old, my appendix ruptured. Compared to today, they were, those were almost the dark ages of medicine. Yes, we did have antibiotics and pain meds, but back then we still used ether to put a patient under for surgery. And boy, what a headache you could get from that stuff. Basically, when my appendix ruptured and between the doctor's office where my mother took me in the hospital, which was only a few blocks, I passed out and was in a coma for three days. So I didn't really know what was going on. I was fortunate to have been taken to a doctor who was a combat surgeon in World War II. Dr. Leonard Coleman was an unflappable surgeon in a small town of Navasota, Texas. He quickly prepped me for surgery and went in to find out what was going on. The wound from surgery was left open to drain, and whenever I woke up on the third day, I was so fragile the doctor didn't feel he could actually deaden the site or give me any sort of pain meds. So... I was sutured up without the benefit of pain meds. I can tell you that I learned a lot about pain that day, and ever since, I've had a whole different scale from the 1 to 10 pain scale doctors and nurses ask us about. As a 12-year-old, I learned what it was to face adversity for the first time. I faced more later, and in fact, some of it was probably worse than the appendix issue, but through that adversity, I changed. And when you go through serious adversity yourself, I know you will change as well. Well, enough of me. Let's get started on our study. What is the one thing that so many of us look for in life that always seems to elude us? What is the one thing in your daily life that if you had it, your life would be so much better? What is the one thing in our families that if we had that one thing, life in our families would be so much better, so much more enjoyable? What is that one thing at work that we need to make our jobs better or more productive? That one thing, I think, is peace. Peace with our spouse, peace with our parents, peace with our siblings, peace with co-workers, peace with our ex, peace of mind, just peace. You know, what a wonderful thing that would be. And above all that, peace with God. If we could somehow find that one thing, it would be peace, I think. Even if our money was too short, we could feel peace. Even if our jobs weren't the best, or our boss wasn't the best, we could experience an inner peace. Even if any part of our lives could stand some help and improvement, we could still have peace. You know, if we had peace, we could truly rest in the Lord, and that's what Scripture talks about. We could rest in the Lord and be satisfied. Jesus told us, as recorded in John fourteen twenty seven, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. 
This session is about praying through adversity. We need to learn how to do that so that we can have that kind of peace from the Lord that he's talking about, even in the face of adversity. It is so easy to be close to God when things are going well. It really is. When life is good, it's easy to thank God for all the blessings that are flowing down on us. It's easy to feel good about our faith and believe that we're strong Christians. Those are feelings when things are good. The family's fine. Our job may be going well. We may have gotten a raise. Our business is thriving. Our health is good. The kids are doing well in school, and we're just as happy as we can be. Oh, we may know we don't have everything on our life's wish list, and we haven't fulfilled everything on our bucket list, but really, we're doing pretty good and are satisfied. In total, I'd say in those instances, life is good and God is good. But what about when the bottom drops out? What about when our health fails? What about when troubles seem to come in waves? How about when there's financial ruin or serious job challenges? How close to God are you in those times? How thankful to God are we in those times? I think one of the most difficult concepts to accept as a Christian is that bad things really do happen to good people. Good Christian people really do suffer serious illness, loss, disappointment, hardship, and even financial ruin. Adversity can be just around every corner, ready to happen even to the most dedicated and spiritually mature believers. You know, life sometimes seems like that insurance commercial with the guy who calls himself Mayhem. Accidents, explosions, wrecks, disasters, floods, fires, all kinds of problems just follow that guy around. Sometimes it seems those disasters just follow us around too. So why is that? Why does our loving God allow his children to be attacked in such ways? For most of us, we question what is going on and wonder about this with one question. Why, God, are you allowing this to happen to me? I'm one of your children. The answers to such a question may defy logic, and in the midst of the adversity, it may cause us to even doubt our faith and our salvation. I know you may think you won't doubt your faith, but when the situation is hard enough, when your troubles are bad enough, and when you hurt enough, you will be surprised at what our minds will tell us. What I call routine problems won't take us that low, but the worst ones will. Throughout this session, as I mentioned, I'm going to use the term adversity when I'm talking about troubles. As I said, I don't know what your particular adversity is right now or what it will be in the future, but each time I mention the word adversity, I know you can relate to what is going on in your life or has gone on in your life. I know you'll relate to some past experience of your own or from someone you know and care about. As you look around you at work or with your friends or even at church, you see a lot of people who look like their life is all put together. They don't look like there's anything bothering them. There's nothing wrong. I want to tell you, though, that in a lot of cases, that is just a front that people use in public to get by. In the many times of my conducting the seminar on prayer in churches throughout this area, I've read a lot of people's prayer cards. There are a lot of hurting people in the world, and our churches are full of them. Whether the hurting is personal or that of a child, a parent, a spouse, whomever, hurting is real, and we must learn how to deal with it without it stealing all our our joy of living and stealing the peace that the Lord wants us to have. I don't believe anyone is actually immune from the troubles in this life. 
So for Christians, how do we pray through adversity when it strikes, as it surely will? How do we focus on God when all around us all we can see is trouble and our own adversity? Well, that's what we're going to explore just a little bit in this episode. Before we get into praying through adversity, though, let's spend just a little time looking at what may be going on. What is the cause of this adversity that we're facing? Is it God-driven, demon-driven, a curse, a generational curse, or just a coincidence of life? You know, in the last three episodes, we talked about demons and curses. Is that what it is that we're dealing with? Or is there some tangible thing that we can point to and say, yes, that's the reason for my troubles. And once you identify it, you feel like maybe you have some solution that you can give to it. What does the Bible say about adversity? And what does God tell us to do when we find ourselves in the midst of it? Romans 5, 1 through 5 is one of my favorite verses. I've had to use it enough times to get through my own dark days and troubles. And here's where it is. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. When you look at that scripture, obviously God is preparing us for trouble or he would not have given us that scripture. It's not just hanging out there on its own. He knew we would face adversity and troubles. And that verse explains or helps explain what is going on. Our troubles are not a surprise to God. They didn't just sneak up on him. He knew they were going to be there. That verse says that we are to glory in our sufferings. When we look at that from a human standpoint of view, especially from the point of view of someone who's facing the trouble or hurting, that verse does not sound like the answer you may want to hear. We don't want to suffer, and that is only natural. With a lot of things I've done in life, I've faced suffering several times, and not just the appendectomy. Some of it I brought on myself, and some of it just seemed to happen. But as normal humans, we don't want to suffer at all, and I didn't either. I'm tough, or at least I used to be, but I'm not that tough. In those hard times, I did not want to persevere in the face of adversity, because I did not want to face the adversity in the first place. I wanted a more comfortable life. I believe that most people, if given the choice, would choose the easier and more comfortable high road instead of the harder and rougher low road, if that journey would get us to the same place in life. And that doesn't mean we're soft or pampered, it just means we're human. So we ask, why can't we have peace? Why do we have cancer? Why is our child in jail? Why did I lose my job? Why aren't we free from trouble and pain and heartache? Why can't I get out of debt? Along with that earlier question, I think we often tend to ask, what have I done personally to cause God to punish me? First, understand that God is not punishing you. Without a doubt, if we disobey God, he may, as I stated earlier, lift his protection from you. But God is not at war with you. God has not personally attacked you or singled you out for persecution or punishment. In that verse I just read in Romans, if you are saved, you are at peace with God, not war. 
That is not the same thing as having peace, though. Peace with God means you are living in a good relationship with God and in fellowship with Him. Our God does not do those hurtful things to us. While God can do anything, it is God's will that He does not do evil to us, His children. He owns us and values us too much to personally do us harm. 1 Peter 2, verses 9-10 through says this, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. When God's protection over us is lifted, Satan will surely jump in and attack us. We talked about that in the sections on praying in spiritual warfare. Satan is at war with all Christians. He sends his demons to attack us all the time. We know that about Satan. But what about God? As one of God's chosen people, we have received mercy from God. It would be a contradiction for that same God who has given us mercy to turn around and take that mercy away and do us harm. The adversity that we face is not directed at us by God. And all adversity is not because of some sin in our lives. Too often, I think, when we see others going through hard times, we tend to think they've somehow sinned and called God's wrath down on themselves. Well, that isn't necessarily true. I mean, that could be it, but certainly not always. It's entirely possible that God is allowing that adversity to take place in a person's life for reasons that only he may know. Nothing takes God by surprise. He knows exactly what you need in order to grow stronger. He knows exactly how much you can take when you depend upon him to get you through the adversity. For example, as we discussed last session, as Jesus was preparing his disciples for his coming arrest and death, in Luke 22, verses 31 and 32, he said to Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. As you know, Peter was the strong disciple. He jumped out of the boat to walk on the water with Jesus. He carried a sword and cut off the guard's ear when Jesus was arrested. Peter would eventually be one of the founding leaders of the entire Christian church. Yet at that point, even after over three years of Peter being in the presence of Jesus, God allowed Peter to be sifted by Satan. In essence, God's protection over Simon Peter, a child of God just like you and me, was lifted and Satan was allowed to have his way with Peter. As a result, we see in Scripture where Peter denied Jesus and how that denial cut Peter to the quick. So much though, so that he ran from the place in tears and hid in shame. Satan had him in his grip and Peter was sifted. It hurt physically and emotionally. Paul, the writer of much of the New Testament, was not immune from the kind of sifting that Jesus was talking about to Peter. Paul traveled the entire known world as an apostle, preaching in every place, establishing churches, and spreading the word of God. He did that for years and years. Yet ultimately, Paul too suffered. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7-10, through 10, it says this, 
Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul said, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul, as we know, was shipwrecked, beaten, stoned, thrown out of towns, condemned, snake-bitten, and chased everywhere that he went. All of that happened to Paul while he was doing God's work. Yet God did not remove the adversity from Paul. He was sifted, and it was painful. Both Peter and Paul overcame the adversity and became stronger through the experience. Their faith was strengthened because they each had seen and experienced what it took to overcome the pain, heartache, and adversity they faced. Peter and Paul were purified and strengthened by the adversity they faced. We're certainly not apostles, but just like Peter and Paul, we do have pain. We have hardship. We have adversity. Therefore, in our struggle of learning how to pray through adversity, the first thing we must do is recognize that God is still in charge. God still loves us, and He very much wants to comfort us. Those are biblical truths, even in the midst of our adversity. From my own experiences, which you will read about in your homework assignment, and in the midst of severe physical illness, I discovered, or rather rediscovered, that very truth. I know that when you face your own troubles, either illness, accident, moral failure, financial collapse, failure of your health, whatever it is, it may sound trite to say there is nothing we can do to cause God to love us less and nothing we can do to make God love us more. But in truth, and simply put, God does love us just as Jesus loved Peter and Paul and the rest of his disciples. God loves us without condition and without reservation all the time. I can tell you from personal experience that we may feel rejected, abandoned, persecuted, and hurt, both physically and spiritually, but God really does love us. As stated in that verse about sifting Peter, just as Jesus later reinforced that love with Peter, we have to accept it, affirm it, and believe that God loves us for ourselves. Again, that is a decision we make to accept that in faith and in fact. When we finally accept that God truly does love us, even when we're hurting, or especially when we're hurting, we can raise our eyes enough to ask God what He wants us to learn by the adversity we're going through. Admittedly, that is no easy task. In fact, I will tell you that it may be one of the hardest things you've ever done spiritually and emotionally. I won't tease you into believing that facing horrible situations will be easy because it will not be. But when we know and understand the fundamentals of prayer, the mechanics of prayer, and especially the heart of prayer that we've talked about, we will be able to begin working through the adversity through prayer. Prayer is the only thing you may have left to get you through those tough times. I will tell you that writing this section of the book was hard, and teaching this session may be even harder on me because it exposes a lot of the inner me. 
And when you read it, you'll see what I mean. It shows a lot of the weak side of me that I would really prefer to cover up or hide. So I hope you will use my hard-learned lessons to help you in your time of trouble, as I know you'll surely have them. I want to close this part of this episode to give you a chance to think about things that have happened in your past or that may be going on right now in your life that you consider adversity. Look at what is going on and perhaps why those things are happening. There may be no ready answers, but I think it helps us to look at ourselves with a bit of soul-searching and introspection. I do have some homework for you in the portion of this study on praying through adversity. Before we get together next time, I'd ask that you'd read chapter 9 of the book, Praying with Passion, Grounded in Obedience. As we prepare for the next session, spend some time in prayer and be ready for a bit of an emotional roller coaster in the next session. I'll see you there. And until then, may God bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and give you peace. Mm-hmm.